Have you ever wondered whether there's deeper meaning in a world that feels sometimes like a dystopian hellscape? Hmm. Too dark an opening? Probably. Have you ever struggled to find your sense of purpose? Today we're talking about meaning, purpose, and the question of why when it comes to our daily lives. A sense of purpose has been shown to be quite helpful for our well-being, and it may even be more profound than pleasure when it comes to determining your happiness. Do you have a sense of purpose? What gives you meaning? How do your values fit into all of it? If you've ever wondered what it's all about, and not just because you were singing the 1966 Burt Baccarat hit, Alfie, you'll want to listen to today's baggage check. Welcome. Thank you for being here today. It is good to have you. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about the possible pitfalls of wearing a peplum top. Did I say that right? Peplum? Anyway, let's get to it. You've heard me say this on this podcast before, or perhaps you haven't, which makes me feel a little bit less guilty for repeating it, but there are different conceptualizations of happiness. And the one that seems to be most associated with the deepest well-being is not the one that involves an emphasis on pleasure or constant joy. Instead, the deepest happiness involves having a sense of meaning, a sense that being in this world is worth it despite the bad stuff, and that there's a purpose to our existence. But for lots of us, we might feel that something's falling short for us in this realm. Is a sense of purpose something that we can think our way into? This is what I wanted to talk about today, this idea of finding a sense of purpose. And again, you've heard me talk about toxic positivity, about different conceptualizations of happiness, and our cultural understanding of happiness sometimes missing the mark because it focuses on that hedonic aspect, that joy, that comfort, that pleasure. Instead, when we embrace that eudaimonic happiness... That idea that things may not be always perfectly pleasurable or easy or comfortable, but that there's value in the struggle and we're connecting with something deeper than just our immediate experience of ease, this gets to our sense of purpose. So what is a sense of purpose? Can it go beyond things like my goal to finally weave in the ends of a knitted sweater with less time than it took to actually knit the sweater itself? or just sample 97 different types of dolmas before I die. I think there's probably deeper things than that, yes. But those little joys and those little explorations and little goals can certainly figure in, too. A sense of purpose is like a deeper layer that helps you put those smaller struggles into perspective. It can be a guidepost, much like your values that we've talked about. And in fact, your values should correspond to your sense of purpose pretty compatibly. Because they both take into account what you prioritize in life in a deeper way. What matters most to you at the end of the day. Or even, here we get a little morbid, probably won't be the last time today, even thinking about at the end of your life what will have mattered. Values can be considered how you put your sense of purpose into practice. They're what you show when you act, when you behave in certain ways. They're what help light the way of telling you how to move forward in the ways that you want to be, the ways that will represent the person that you want to be, especially when things are tough. 
They can help guide how to spend your time when things are easier. So for a sense of purpose, it can be about what you have to give to the world, how you want to make your impact. And we do not have to get grandiose here. All of us have some ways that we can truly affect the world, no matter what our job or our resources or our profile or how many Instagram followers we have. If kindness is part of your sense of purpose, the beautiful thing about that is that strangers can go on to remember you for years, even when you don't necessarily know that they do. You can impact somebody whose name you'll never know in ways that you'll never quite understand. I know this is bordering on the schmaltzy, but there was this book I used to love to read to my kids. It was called Ordinary Mary's Extraordinary Deed by Emily Pearson. I loved it because it started with this little girl picking blueberries for her neighbor, and then it snowballed into all kinds of acts of kindness that had an impact ultimately on the world at large. Isn't that the kind of snowball effect we want? infinitely better than the snowball effect of somebody shoving past somebody else in a line for Black Friday sales on a VR headset. I know I may be getting too gooey for some of you here, and that's okay. We can make room for some goo. And now that sounds gross. But a sense of purpose is something that guides you, that guides you into realizing the why of what you're doing here and what you have to offer the world, what you have to offer yourself by way of experiencing the world. It makes you feel connected, connected to something greater than yourself, perhaps, even when times are hard, because it helps get you that motivation for moving forward and for living our lives in meaningful ways, meaning as we find it, we can be the judges of that. And I don't want to limit a sense of purpose to impacting others as profound as that is. Sometimes your sense of purpose might involve learning all you can about something, or exploring something for its own sake, whether people scroll through your travel photos or not. What can be harder, though, is actually cultivating that sense of purpose. How do you find meaning in a world that offers no shortage of distractions and stress and responsibilities and everyday things to check the box on? Lots and lots of things to take up our time, to put us on autopilot. If you want to begin to think more deeply about this issue... I want to talk about some simple questions you can start with. So here are five questions. None of them are meant to be the end-all, be-all, but just some things to get you thinking about your sense of meaning. Number one, at what times are you in flow? Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, and you can feel free to consult the episode transcript if you want that spelling, coined the term flow and has been studying it for decades. And it's become a foundation of positive psychology research. Flow is that state of engagement and immersion in an activity that seems to have the optimal blend of feeling relaxed enough not to be stressed, but challenged enough not to be bored. I like to describe it as doing something where you lose your sense of time in a positive way. And you can focus mainly on the task at hand and feel connected to it. It is the opposite of clock watching, where you just want the time to move faster and the task to be over. It's also probably the opposite of being so flustered and frustrated and stressed that you want to pull your hair out. So what types of activities bring you to flow? Are there certain parts of your job that you do really like and that make the time speed by? 
Are there pastimes or hobbies that seem to make a Saturday afternoon disappear in a good way? Not necessarily the same thing as when you're frustrated cleaning out a closet that's eating up way more time than you were expecting. We're talking about engaging in a positive way. Are there people that you spend time with who help you forget your worries? Get rid of what's weighing on you and just be. These clues can help you start to think about fine-tuning what really resonates with you most deeply in life. Number two, when you think about love, what do you envision? I've mentioned before that not everybody's sense of meaning or purpose has to be intrinsically tied to other people. That's totally okay. For many people, though, relationships are pretty high up there. Or if not relationships with specific people, then being connected in some positive way to other people on the planet, to the larger humanity. Or perhaps it's not necessarily human beings at all, but certain animals that you feel a most profound connection with. Or even feeling very connected to parts of the earth and nature. What does love mean to you? When you imagine the faces that embody love to you, or the visuals of things that aren't human, what comes to mind? It's not uncommon for someone to believe that the true meaning of their lives comes not necessarily from their professional work, or at least not to the same extent, but from the people that they spend their time with, their loved ones. Or perhaps it's professional and personal combined, the organization you work for, or the people you volunteer to help, or the community or cause that you've come to believe in span both of those for you. Love can mean many things to many people, but when you imagine what it means to you, it can often point you in the right direction in a sense of purpose kind of way, thinking about the reason that you are on this earth and the legacy that you want to leave behind and who you are most connected with. Number three, into what endeavors are you most willing to put effort? We all have different levels of spark and motivation for things, but some activities feel less effortful because we like doing them so much. So think about when you actually enjoy harder work. Of course, then maybe it doesn't feel like work to you, at least not to the same extent. I know some people say, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Uh... I don't know. I have pretty much my dream job, or really four of my dream jobs. And of course, not every moment is sheer ecstasy. I don't believe in setting false expectations. So let's just say it, even something you love, and it's connected deeply to your values, even something that you feel like you were meant to do, it can bring you stress and frustration and boredom at times. That's natural. But if you can examine your patterns about what in your life you have worked hard for and that you've wanted to work hard for, it will help you determine what types of pursuits are most worthy of your time and of your heart and your energy. Number four, if you wrote your own obituary, what would feel most important to include? All right, so I warned you we were going to start getting morbid and here we go. Or maybe this just feels silly. Andrea Bonnier died at the age of 119 on Monday after once again coming in second in a jalapeno eating contest. Hmm. But envisioning what you want your life's legacy to be 
it can be helpful in a search for your purpose. And yeah, this can actually involve a hypothetical obituary. Of course, it's cruel to imagine your life being summed up in a few paragraphs. I mean, is there going to be room for all the random trivia I know about the Las Vegas Strip in the 1960s? But this can also help us think in terms of our deeper priorities. Thinking about looking back on your life as it nears its ending can truly be very helpful in determining what you want to most devote your precious time to. In moments, in months, in years, in decades, what you want to be spending your time on doing. Those who work with people at the end of their lives say that they tend to see the same regrets over and over and over again. Often those regrets involve worrying too much about the things that now they feel shouldn't have mattered that much at the expense of things that now they realize mattered most of all. So what do you want to leave behind? In the abstract and also more concretely. And yes, mine will involve yarn, lots of yarn. I will be bequeathing a room full of yarn. But seriously, what is your legacy? How do you choose to spend your time and your money and your energy? What will you be leaving behind emotionally and socially or intellectually? And how would you want somebody to be able to summarize those years that you spent on this planet? This can be a nice exercise in thinking about what matters. And it can also light a fire of motivation into spending more time doing what matters. Now, to be clear... This can veer a little bit into achievement-oriented focuses, which are not good. So this is not an exercise in, yes, I became the CEO of Mafulta Industries. This is not about impressing other people. And it's also not about necessarily having to leave some magnificent legacy. But it is about thinking about how the highlight reel of your life or the essence of you how you would want that to be described. Maybe you don't want an obituary at all. And of course, that's fair too. Remember, these are just jumping off points. And finally, number five. If you had a total bonus day, free of all responsibilities, all appointments, all commitments, and you were fully rested and recharged and could do anything you wanted for 18 hours, what would you do? I know. I know this one, you know, a free day. What is that? What does that concept mean? A free day is like something from another universe, like an inkjet printer that actually works correctly, or a dinner with Andrea where she doesn't bring up a Stephen Wright joke. Nobody seems to feel like they have much free time, much less a free day. Busyness is a status symbol. Responsibilities and the treadmill of responsibilities are never-ending. My social media brand needs an update about what I had for lunch. We fill our time with so much stuff. So, of course, it's even harder to imagine a day with no responsibilities at all, where you're fully rested and you're not tempted to just spend the time catching up on sleep or finally knocking off all those doctor's appointments you've been putting off or just trying to keep yourself from getting totally burnt out by spending the day getting a massage or indulging in the longest Netflix binge that has ever been seen by the likes of man. But I want you to truly think about if you were already recharged, just hypothetically, your energies, your talents, they are ready to be spent on anything of your choosing. 
Picture a completely blank slate, free of concerns to be addressed about what happened yesterday or plans to make about what happens tomorrow. What would you devote your energy to? Often, if you can remove that to-do checklist, those lists that follow us around constantly, that weigh down our days and our months and our years through inertia and occupy large parts of our time and our thoughts, if you can remove those lists, you can get a better sense of what you would mindfully choose to do in life rather than what you feel that you have no choice but to do. And in doing so, you can have a clearer focus of how you want to spend your time. After all, this is how our lives should be in an optimal world, where responsibilities weren't beckoning all the time, where tech notifications weren't notificating, notifying all the time. There's an Annie Dillard quote that I love so much that I put in Detox Your Thoughts. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. That quote is part of a larger work of hers, but I love it on its own. And also, it won't get me into copyright issues this way. But it speaks to how time passes and the little things accumulate into the big things. I think this is especially true when you think about kids, when you listen and pay attention to them and they're talking about things that seem to be the little things to you, but you send them the message that you're there And later on, when they come to you with the big stuff, because when they were little, they trusted you with the little stuff. And it turns out, hey, them trusting us with the little stuff when they were little, that was their big stuff all along. And so I think thinking about what seems trivial in our lives day after day, minute after minute, how we want to spend our time, we can make positive changes by turning the little things in the direction of how we actually mindfully choose to spend our time, choosing those little moments to be meaningful too. All right, I got a little akimbo there in the direction that I was taking. It all goes back to that free day. How would you spend it? That probably clues you into what is part of your value system, what helps give you a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning. So I hope these five questions were at least little thought exercises to get you thinking about sense of purpose And you don't have to have one sense of purpose, and it doesn't have to stay consistent throughout your life. We have different seasons of life that mean different things, and we can change, and we can grow, and we can add things and take things away and focus more on this than that. It's all okay. But I do think thinking about the deeper stuff is really important, because happiness isn't just the smiley face emojis. It's not just the comfort and the ease and the pleasure It's the struggle too, the struggle that says, hey, I'm leaning in and it's hard, but it's worth it. I'm fully showing up. I'm fully engaged. That's what can get us a more profound sense of connection. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to like 17 podcasts. We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Merity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time, take good care.